Last week, we saw this. If you're a Christian, you're in a battle. You're in a fight. And it is a fight that is not seen, but it is in a realm that we can't see. You're in a fight and there's an enemy. And the devil hates you. He hates this church. He hates your faith. And he wants to destroy it. He wants to draw you away from Jesus. And he will do whatever it takes to do that. That could be really obvious things to pull you away. Things that are um, really appealing and we know is against what God wants. But it could be just gentle, quiet things. Just to slowly um, pour water on the fire of your love for Jesus. He wants to draw you away. He doesn't want you to be here. He doesn't want you to be trusting in Jesus. He doesn't want you to be listening to the Bible being read. He doesn't want you singing about Jesus. That's what we were thinking about last week. If you weren't here, just to remind, just to let you know what the headings are, to sum up verses 10 to 13, we saw this, that the battle is real. The battle is real. The enemy is real. His tactics are real, but also we saw our hope is real. So last week was really a way of us saying to each other, look, let's wake up. Yes, so often we can be sleepwalking in this battlefield and we don't realize the danger that's all around us. We forget about the enemy, which is what he wants. Or we become obsessed with the enemy, which again is what he wants. And we give him too much credit or too little credit. And we need to remember we're in a battle. Let's wake up and let's fix our eyes on Jesus. We're in a war. Let's not ignore that. Let's wake up. If we ignore it, we're in real spiritual danger. And so maybe last week was a good wake-up call to, re to realize, you know what, I'm in danger here. Lord, help me in this battle. Now, the great news is, in the midst of this battle and this unseen, unseen realm where, the, uh, where we see our um, enemy at work, there is hope and there is help. God hasn't left us on our own. So that's why this morning we're going to look at the armor of God. In the battle, he gives us armor. We're going to look at three uh, things about the armor. We're going to look at the content of the armor. So we're just going to walk through the passage and look at every item that we've got. We're going to look at the owner of the armor and we'll finish with the power of the armor. So the content, the owner, and the power. Let's start then with the content of the armor. We're in a battle with the evil one. He hates us, as we saw. He wants to draw us away from Jesus. And how does he do that? Well, we saw last week. The way that he does it is very ordinary. He wants us just to love ourselves more than we love others. To put our needs before the needs of others and God. It, what it looks like is not Hollywood-style, head-spinning, demonic things, but often very ordinary, very plain. He wants just to draw us away from Jesus. Remember, we looked at the word devil means liar, the deceiver. And he wants you to believe lies. He wants you to believe lies about God. He wants you to believe that God isn't good, that he can't be trusted, that you need to doubt his motives because really there's a sinness in us to God. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden, and he's still doing it today. You don't need to listen to him. And he wants you to believe lies about, lies about God. God is underhanded. He's not good. Not only that, but he wants you to believe lies about yourself. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. You're not forgiven. 
you're not accepted by god you're not a child of god he wants us to dwell on our failure dwell on our guilt and on our past god can't use you you're a nothing you're a nobody or even this you don't need god you can do it on your own just pull your socks up a bit higher roll your sleeves up a bit higher work harder you can do it you're strong enough you see there's two sets of lies that we fall for the lies about god and the lies about ourselves and when we believe those lies about god when we believe those lies about ourselves we will slowly drift away from him we will grow lukewarm see the battle isn't the hollywood style scary halloween film thing it's very ordinary very plain just love yourself more you know don't care about others and um, don't believe that god is good and this is why we need the armor this is why we need god's help now this armor as you look through the description of it it's things that we a christian already has things that are true for those who trust in jesus listen to these words translated literally they are the salvation the justification truth the gospel of peace the faith the word of god see things that we already have things that are really can be summed up in the gospel message and we're told really to wear these truths that are true for us when you trust in jesus so let's have a look at them the belt of truth that's the first thing we see isn't it um when it says in verse 14 stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth now when we think of a belt we will think of a small leather thing that holds our trousers up won't we but really the word here meant by belt is it's the leather garment that um, soldiers would wear underneath their armor so it would come down kind of protecting your thighs and it was leather so it was underneath everything else uh, and it would uh, be the first thing you'd put on so what's he saying here he is saying we need to cover ourselves protect ourselves with the truth of god and what he's like for the with the truth of who you are when you trust in jesus the truth that you are a child of god the truth that you are his see we need to wrap the truth around ourselves because all around us remember what we heard about the devil last week in ephesians 2 the prince of the power of the air you know in the air around us there is lies about god that we just breathe in so we need to be careful so we need to wrap ourselves with truth so we can see the danger of the lies around us you know when we see who god is and what he's like when we see jesus in the flesh who does he say he is i am the way the truth and the life i'm the truth so you need to fix your eyes on jesus clothe yourself in the truth of jesus in who jesus is and who you are let me remind you of ephesians 1 there paul said look at who you are in christ he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms you are chosen in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless you are loved you are predestined to be adopted as children of god you are redeemed by his glorious grace he has lavished this grace upon you you are safe until the end wrap yourselves in these truths don't do anything else before you remember these truths that is the belt that we put on the belt of truth so when the lies of satan come he doesn't love you or you can't trust god we have wrapped ourselves in the truth and say hang on i know there's truth to this i need to hold on to the truth see the belt of truth 
the belt of who Jesus is, the belt of who we are in Jesus. But it doesn't end there. Look at verse um, 13, uh, 14, sorry, the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remember, one of the tactics of Satan is to get you to doubt God and his goodness, to get you to think that you are not loved by God, that the gospel isn't true. And one amazing truth that is true for you if you are a Christian this morning is this, you have been given a gift. You have been given the righteousness of Jesus. That means on the cross, Jesus took all our unrighteousness, all our failure and shame and guilt, all of that he took on himself and he went to the cross bearing that and bore the punishment we deserved. He had done nothing wrong. He hadn't committed one evil, no evil thoughts, no evil deeds, nothing. Jesus was perfect and pure, but he went to the cross guilty. He took our guilt. But what happens to his righteousness, his perfection? That is then given to the Christian. The Christian says, I can't do this, I need you. And we are given the righteousness of Christ. We receive it. And so he's saying, put on that. Remember that. Live that. So the devil will accuse you. Look at what you've done. God can't love you if you've done that. You can't be accepted by God because of that. But then we remember the breastplate of righteousness, that righteousness of Christ, which is ours for free in him. And we say, hang on, I'm looking to Jesus. He's my righteousness, not me. I could never be good enough, but he was. And so we remember and we live out the righteousness of Jesus. You see, these things aren't new things. The armor of God isn't something new, some magic tactic, but it's just remembering the old, old story and living it. Not just knowing it in our heads, but really knowing it deep in our hearts to be able to fight off devil's attacks. I've read this before, but I, I love this quote of John Bunyan when he grasped uh, what it meant to have the righteousness of Christ given to him. He said this, one day as I was passing in the field uh, with some dashes on my conscience of feeling guilty, fearing case all was not right, suddenly the sentence fell upon my soul. Your righteousness is in heaven. And I thought as well that I saw with my eyes of my soul Jesus Christ at God's right hand. There, I say, is my righteousness. So that wherever or I was or whatever I was doing, God could not say of me, John Bunyan lacks my righteousness, for that righteousness is right before him. I also saw it was not my good frame of heart, my mood, that made my righteousness better, nor my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then my chains fell off, my legs indeed. I went home rejoicing for the grace and love of God. Here I lived for some time sweetly at peace with, the God, with God through Christ. There was nothing but Christ before my eyes. You see, his righteousness is in heaven. Nothing can change the righteousness of Jesus because he has never failed, will never fail, and your righteousness is secure as secure as Christ is. Look there, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then when Satan attempts to discourage you, when he wants you to point at your um, past, you say, no, 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 my righteousness is in heaven and we shoot down those lies. It's important to see here, and the commentators point out as well, when we grasp that, that will transform how we live. So we will live in a more righteous way as well. That will reflect, because we will look at the things that we used to do and think, I, I just can't do that now. 
not what, after what Jesus has done for me, not when my righteousness is in heaven. Of course, there will be stumbles and we will trip and we will fall. But as we think on and as we grasp the righteousness of Christ given to us, our lives will be changed. Sin will lose its power and its grip on us. So the belt of truth, wrap yourselves in it. The righteousness, this breastplate of righteousness. Again, make sure we are living that and walking in it. Um, next, what is next? Well, verse 15, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So our shoes should be on. It's always a good thing to have shoes on, isn't it? And, and we should be ready to go. Ready to do what? To share the news of peace. We have received peace from God in the gospel. Yeah, we are forgiven and we are right with him. Listen to how Romans 5 puts it. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before going any further, do you want peace with God? Do you want to know that you are right with him? Then Jesus is the way. Come to him and we can know peace with God. You can know that you're accepted, know that you're right with him. But when we know that peace, we need to be ready to share that peace with others. Telling people, look, you can know peace with God. The Bible tells us that deep down we all know that there is a God. Even the, more, the hardest of atheists deep down is, is just pushing down the truth of God and his reality. And so the truth and the, the, the news that you could be made right with God is actually the news that we all long for, even if people don't realize it. And so we need to be ready, ready to offer this truth to people, ready to say, look, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the hope that we have. It's interesting, isn't it, that it's, sh it's showing you this is part of the battle. So if we're not speaking for Jesus, and if we're not ready to speak for Jesus, then that leaves us vulnerable. It leaves us open to attack. And perhaps that's because when we share the gospel of Jesus, maybe it points out how much we need him, and it pushes us to our knees and to prayer, which we'll look at in a moment. Maybe it's because as we answer people's questions that we might not know the answer to straight away, we say, I'll, I'll find out with that. And as we dig deeper, we realize just how good the news is. Or as we speak of Jesus, we start to see, this is brilliant news. See, it helps us in the battle to share the gospel. So let me encourage you, this week pray. Pray for an opportunity just to tell someone about what Jesus means to you. You might think, oh, I'm not Billy Graham or whoever the evangelist. You might think, if I can't do that, we're all called to do it, not in a way that is a perfect standing up the front, you know, and telling people like a Billy Graham type model. No, no, no. Just tell them what Jesus means to you. Tell them what he's done for you. We might not have all the answers, but it doesn't matter because we know that Jesus has changed our lives. Be ready to, to share the gospel of peace. And as we do that, it'll strengthen us in the battle. It'll help us. And who knows, you might be surprised by people's response. Because if people, as we, the Bible says, have pushed down the truth of God to hear there is way to know deep peace, they might not even realize this is the peace they long for. Let's be ready with our shoes on, ready to go and tell people about it. So we've got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, and then we've got the shield of faith is the next one. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Most of the commentators here point out that Paul is probably thinking of one of these, not just a you know, small shield you can have for dress up as you, if you dress up with a, as an army with a tiny shield, but this would have been a kind of a six foot type shield. In my mind, I'm picturing kind of the size of a door that they carry around. And so that is quite 
that's quite a good shield, isn't it? So if darts are coming, you've got a shield. And here you are, you've got the fiery darts of Satan, these lies about yourself telling you that God doesn't love you, that you fail, that there's no, no good for you, or telling you you don't need God, you can do it on your own. We get the shield of faith and we believe what God has told us. And so we believe in the gospel. We believe we put our faith not in what we see or feel, but in what we know to be true about God. And when we think of who God is, of course he loves you. <coughs> think of Romans 8, 32. He didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How can he not graciously give us all things? Of course he loves you. Take the shield of faith. I am trusting in the gospel, Satan. Get rid of those lies. You don't need God. Oh, I do. I can't. This life is too big for me to live on my own. I can't carry these burdens on my own. Of course I need God. We get, we've put faith in, a, in the great God of heaven. And those fiery darts are extinguished as we apply the truths of the gospel to our hearts. It's important as well, as we look through all of these commands, it, just, it is very good to see here that Paul isn't just saying, right, you on your own, fight this battle. Put this armor on, on your own individually. But actually, he is telling us to do this together. This is a, we're a part of an army, as it were. Um, and we're to be in this battle together, so we're to help each other, encourage each other. So one of the tactics that armies would have done with these huge door-like shields would, if you can imagine kind of a hundred of uh, um, people in the army, if they all placed these up, yeah, okay, you've got a lot of people placing them up like that, and then along the sides as well, you've got this kind of impenetrable um, force or fortress, so that as the darts of the enemies come, together there's protection. Can you see how that helps? And in the battle, you're not on our own because we're going to see we've got God with us, but also we've got each other. Pray for me, Paul ends by saying, as I go out, as I share the gospel, pray for me. We're in this together. We need each other. And again, one of the lies of devil is to say, you're the only one struggling. You're the only one with these questions. You're the only one with these problems. You're the only one who's done that. You're the but actually, he wants to isolate us from each other. But here we're called to do this together. You put this armor on together. It gives a powerful picture, doesn't it, that when we remember that. But as well, as you think of this army holding their doors up like that, or like that, their shield, if one puts theirs down, then it leaves us vulnerable. If we are um, not careful, one person just kind of, you know, not paying attention can leave us all open to attack. Maybe you can think of times where that's happened with you in your Christian life, where you've seen a Christian who's just gone off the rails or wandered away, and it's just left you vulnerable, and it's brought the name of Jesus down. It doesn't mean we don't pretend when we struggle, but whether we fight together, we pray for each other, and we hold the shield together. Churches can be torn apart with the devil getting in. Don't give him a foothold, as, uh, as we told in chapter 4 of Ephesians. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Let's deal with this. Let's sort this out. So the belt of truth. Cover yourself in the truth of who Jesus is. The breastplate of righteousness. You are accepted in Christ. The shoes of peace. We're ready to go and tell people about the peace of God. The shield of faith, which protects us from the fiery darts. Uh, what's next? Uh, look at verse 17. We take the helmet of salvation. So we know that in our thoughts, our thoughts are really important to how we act and live. Our minds are important. We need to be careful what's going into our minds because that will influence how we live. 
we need to be careful that we are protected by the truth of God's salvation. That everything we, look, we do is filtered through that. So don't let the enemy play tricks to you in your mind. Go to his word again and say, I need to know this salvation. Listen to how um, Paul puts it in Ephesians 1 again. He says, in him, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit of a guarantee of the inheritance to come. So when the devil says, oh, you're not going to make it to heaven, you say, hang on, I'm wearing the helmet of salvation. I'm saved, which means it's not me, but God. It's not my strength, but his keeping of me. So again, we use the helmet of salvation. It needs to be wrapped around our mind, around our head. And we need to think of ways that we can keep remembering that instead of it, um, forgetting it. What do you need to do and put into your life to remember the gospel of salvation? To remember and know these things. And, and then to live it out. Again, we can know facts about it, can't we? We can know facts about Jesus, facts about the gospel. But are we living it? Daily living it out? the helmet of salvation, wrapping it around, our minds around it, that we are safe in Christ. And the last one here, we're looking at the helmet of salvation. We've seen the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, uh, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And the last one in that same verse, in verse 17, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Out of all the weapons, out of all, sorry, out of all the parts of the armor, there's only one that is attacking, offensive. The rest are kind of defensive, aren't they? So we've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible. The Bible is what can um, slay Satan, can um, remind him of his weakness and his power. See, the devil wants to show us uh, and wants us to think he's bigger than he really is, more powerful than he is. And we bring the truth about God to him. We see how he's exposed for who he is in the Bible. And we say, no, no, this tells me this about Satan. And we want to remember the truths of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was tempted? You see it in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 as well. Um, Satan comes and tells him uh, to do certain things. And what does Jesus do in response? He quotes the Bible to him, doesn't he? So he has scripture in his mind. And the word of truth then cuts out the lies of Satan. When Jesus is on the cross, he would have been under immense pressure then. He just, again, he quotes scripture. Why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. There's this instinctive turning to the to the word of God, to the truth, to the sword of the spirit when Jesus, when he was under attack. And if that's for him, how much more for us? So do we know the Bible? Are we spending time in the Bible? Because God's word doesn't change. He doesn't change. And we need to know him and know his word, trust him. How vital do you see God's word in the battle? When you look at your life, how vital is God's word in your life? Are we reading it? Are we spending time thinking on it? Uh, are, we, are we getting it into our bones, as it were, so that when the t trials come, we instinctively know there's, there's a, a passage or a verse that can help me here? See, the content of the armour, really it's summed up in the gospel, and we need to wrap ourselves in the truth of it, whether it's the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, whether it's uh, the shoes of peace, we need to put it on, put the gospel on, live it out. That's the content of the armour. And again, we could have spent weeks looking at each item, but we're just doing an overview today. And that's the longest part of the, the message. Let's look now, secondly, at the owner of the armour. Because as we go through the armour, as we think through the battle, I wonder how you feel. Maybe you feel overwhelmed, intimidated. Say, how, I can't fight. I just don't have the strength. You know, I can't do this. I, 
I just feel so weak. Well, look what Paul tells us. Remember verse 11 that we looked at last week. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities of this present age. We put on the whole armor. And look at verse 10. It says, be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. And then ask this question, well, whose armor is it that we're wearing? Do you see that in verse um, 11? It's the armor of God. It's his own armor. And as you look through the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah, if you look at um, passages in Isaiah 59, in Isaiah 52, Isaiah 11, if you want the references, I can give you them later on. But there we see passages uh, quoted, and we see Paul is obviously thinking back to that. And who is it that he's quoting? Who is it that Isaiah is talking about? Isaiah is saying there is someone coming, a Messiah, the one who's going to beat the enemy. And he is clothed in armor. He, Isaiah 59 says, has this righteousness as a breastplate. He is wrapped in garments of zeal as a cloak. He has the helmet of salvation on his head. So this warrior king is coming, the Messiah is coming, and he's coming armed and in armor. Jesus, you see, he is the captain. He is the one coming to do battle. So it is his armor. In the Old Testament, we see a few times Jesus, when he appears in the Old Testament as a pre-incarnate form of, Christ, of, of, the, uh, of the Christ, we see here that he's called the Lord of hosts. So many times, the Lord of hosts, the captain of God's army. And when he turns up, he is mighty, he is strong. And Isaiah describes him as wearing this, this armor. So when Jesus comes into the world, Satan is furious. He knows his time is short. Jesus is planning something amazing. And what does Satan do? Well, it's see, do you see the concentrated effort there are? How many demonic possessions, how many demons attacking, how many, all that happens in the Gospels. Concentrated attack by the darkness to try and get at Jesus. But when the demons come face to face with Jesus, what do they do? They're terrified. They have to listen. What, are you, what, what do you want with us? They know. So they're trying to wreak havoc, but in the light of the warrior king, they can do nothing because he is the captain. He is more powerful. And Jesus defeated Satan with that armor on. He enters into temptation as the second Adam, as it were. And the, the first Adam failed, but Jesus defeated the old uh, serpent. And Jesus then says to us, the armor that I've worn, the armor that has defeated Satan, put it on it's yours now I've tried and tested it and it works now put it on the armor of our savior the armor of the captain you see Jesus says put on my helmet put on my breastplate of righteousness put on my shoes as you go you're not on your own be strong in the Lord and in his armor now, last week we saw as well, as we think of this, you know, it's an intimidating thing to think of the battle, but what were we told to do? What was the command in those verses? We were told, weren't we, to stand, verse 11, to stand um, in uh, the armor of God. And remember where we're standing. We're standing in Christ. Where is Christ? Ephesians 1, remember, tells us that he is raised above the heavenly places. He is far above all rule and authority and dominion and power. He's above the forces of evil. 
because he is greater than he's defeated them and a christian is to stand in christ so we're here then we've got these demonic forces and we've got christ who is raised and above them all and we're told stand in him keep your ground in a battle if you've got the high ground that's a good thing isn't it because you can see everything that's coming it's a strong position stand and we in christ we have the victory stand in him in his armor can you see we're not on our own we need to lean on him trust in him so the content of the armor we've looked at the owner of the armor we've seen but let's finish by looking at the power of the armor look how paul ends this passage verse 18 praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication now prayer isn't a separate weapon it's to be part of everything we do in the same way that you might um if you imagine salt on a plate yeah if you have um your food you've got your sunday lunch ready you don't kind of have your chicken and your broccoli and your whatever else you have on it and you don't just have a pile of salt on the side you sprinkle it over don't you it's the same with prayer prayer isn't a separate thing or oh, now i need to do prayer as well no prayer is to be covering it all it is to be part of everything it's kind of like you've got a fridge but unless you plug the fridge in it's no use we've got the armor how do we have power to that armor it's prayer prayer shows how seriously we're taking the battle our prayer life will show us how seriously we're taking the battle um, today so spiritually we're in a spiritual battle so we need spiritual tools which means we need to pray and this is hard isn't it because there's no nothing to see in one sense you know there's no enemy that we can see to see who's defeated and who's where we're doing but we need to take up this this um, the prayer of god and say lord i need to pray i need to lean on you more i need to depend on you more and remember all of these are given to us individually but corporately as well so we need to pray as a church that's why prayer meeting is so important we're doing battle there and we're saying lord please please help us john piper's got a great illustration about this why there's a difference between um, where, where our prayer life really he says this prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie not a domestic intercom for ringing up the butler to change the thermostat it's a wartime walkie-talkie to call in firepower because the enemy is greater than we are if you try to, try to turn this into domestic intercom to bring another pillow it malfunctions and you wonder why it's not made to be an intercom it's made to be a wartime talkie-talkie talkie-talkie walkie-talkie do you see that's a helpful picture isn't it so often we can use prayers just uh oh god could you fluff my pillows a bit i need a bit more comfort but actually we just see it as it's a cry for help in the middle of a battle saying jesus i need you now help me is that what our prayer looks like or does it look like uh, calling the butler when we realize how serious and real the battle is our prayer life will show it as well so this week let's depend on him let's lean on him let's say Jesus I need you today I'm facing a battle and it's hard I feel weak please help me it's not complicated but we just lean on him and we depend on him and we admit daily don't we I can't do this without you I understand in in your strength and Paul shows us this as illustrated in verse 19 he says pray for me pray for all the saints pray for each other but also for me that my words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which i'm an ambassador in chains see paul why is he praying to be bold because he doesn't feel bold this is paul 
He's in prison again. He's been beaten up again. He's scared. And he's saying, please pray for me. Pray for me to be bold because I don't feel it at the moment. He tells us in 2 Corinthians, I came in weakness and trembling. I was scared. And if Paul needs prayer, how much more do we? Please, Lord, help us. We need you. So let's pray for each other. You might be feeling fearful of things that you're facing. You might be feeling nervous about what's going on in your life. We're in the battle together. So let's pray for each other in our weakness. So here we are, we're in a battle. We've got this armor that is the Lord's armor. It's tried and tested. And we need to put it, put it in, plug it in, as it were, with prayer and dependence on him. As we come to close, remember, in all of this, whose side we're on. We're on the side of Jesus, who's the victorious one. So as we think of the battle, remember that. Your tomorrow is Halloween. Originally, it's um, All Hallows' Eve, which is a church celebration. Can you believe it? Originally. Uh, and All Hallows' Day and All Saints' Day would come after it. So the church would celebrate on that day um, the victory of Jesus over Satan. So that's why they would dress up as um, to mock Satan, dress up as evil spirits, as it were, to mock Satan. Now, you might not agree with that. That's fine. I'm not saying you need to do that. But the point of it was to say, Satan, you're the loser. Darkness has lost because the light has won. So as we think on that coming tomorrow and the light of what we're looking at today, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. The light has won. Jesus is victorious. He's defeated evil. He has defeated Satan. Remember I told you about a man who took his son to watch a film and he realized early on that this was probably not too suitable for him. It was too tense, too scary. And his son was scared. And instead of walking out, which he could have done, I guess, he said, keep your eye on the hero. Because, you know, in Hollywood, the hero wins, isn't he? Keep your eye on the hero and it'll be okay. In our battle, it can be scary. It can be fierce. Keep your eye on the hero. Keep your eye on Jesus because he's won. He's been through the other side. So keep our eyes on him. And he is our captain. And we use his battle, uh, his armor in his battle. And he's won. So let's pray together as we come to sing our last song. Let's pray and ask God to help us in our fight. Lord, we thank you for this book of Ephesians. Thank you for how it's taken us for the, from the heights of glory of who we are in Christ uh, to the muddy battlefield of daily life. Help us, Lord, please, to put on the gospel that we live out these truths and that we um, can extinguish the fiery darts and lies of the evil one. Lord, please, if there's anyone here who's not sure whose side they're on, please today, would they choose Jesus and live for him? And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.